Guys show is brought to you by Audible. Go to bookguys.ca slash audible and get a free book just for signing up for a free trial. This is the Book Guys show. I am Paul Alves and I am joined this week by Sir Jimmy. Sir Jimmy. How you doing? I'm doing so good. You know, it makes me feel like a superstar when I know that the man behind the jingles is on the scene. That's right. Jeff Smith uh, sent us a bunch of new jingles uh, for the lads. Sorry, Comanzi didn't get you one yet. I'm sorry. <laughs> Still on order. That's Comanzi Constable. How you doing, sir? Um, after, after the show, I'm so excited. I'm going to Las Vegas again. <laughs> I love your picture today uh, on that, Skype. That picture is right on the strip in Vegas. Okay, all right. That's uh, you and Batman. Nice. Yep. And uh, joining us, uh, writer for Book Right, uh, amongst other things, Cassandra Nice. Hi, everyone. It's Cassandra. Cassandra. Yes. How yes, you yes. doing? Oh my God! It's like back in high school again, where we had Laura, Lori. <laughs> oh my goodness! They were like they would. It would be like a cat fight at the lockers. Now my name's Lori, not Lori, not Laura. Yeah, I'm like. Ah! <laughs> no, I just correct once, and then I make you feel really bad about it in other ways later. Well, I feel really bad, Cassandra. <laughs> Don't worry about it, really. It's okay. Uh, we have a lot of uh, book news this week, so I, I figured we uh, might just start it off. Book news. Uh, the first one, uh, Comanzi and I were talking about it just before, and it is in... Podcasts. Let's jump right in with a clip. A man who raised moral outrage at conditions in China where Apple's iPads and iPhones are made admits he made a lot of it up. Mike Daisy's been eviscerating Apple in theater monologues on TV talk shows. I felt compelled to go to China and actually dig into the story. And in op-ed pieces, a million people heard him on public radio's This American Life. The embarrassed radio show is retracting the segment because people Daisy claimed to interview were actually a thousand miles from the factory he visited. Claimed sightings of underage workers were a lie. Daisy insists he's a performer, not a journalist, and confesses regret for lying on the radio. But even his theater performances claim truth, and they led Apple to order an audit of Chinese working conditions. Now, Daisy's the headline, and crowds lining up to buy Apple's latest adult toys can light up new Chinese-made smart screens to read all about his own moral bankruptcy. Uh, let's just start off by saying Apple does not make adult toys, and if they did, they'd be, uh, you know, very clean lines and very well designed. But, uh, you know, the, this guy, what a cop-out to, to say, well, I'm a performer, I'm not a journalist. You know? That's a pretty big thing. It's almost like when um, QR Markham got busted for plagiarism back in the fall, and he said that he was addicted to plagiarizing. He claimed addiction to justify what he had done. And that's ridiculous. It's the same thing here. It's a condition. It's a condition, right. Uh, you know, and it's like us saying, well, you know, we're, we're podcasters. We're not journalists. So I, I can lie about book news right now if I wanted to because it's a performance. Come on. He, he duped everyone. Apple's on top of the world. Uh, you know, worth, you know, $600 billion in the bank or whatever the hell pile of money they have. 
uh, you know, be, you know, getting free publicity everywhere. So he looks like he just attached his coattails to apples, and uh, you know, he, he got some free publicity out of it. I mean, this was the one of the largest episodes, like uh, uh, listenership wise, for This American Life on NPR. And he said he's not a journalist. Is he stupid? I mean, why? How did he think he was going to get away with something like that with that much exposure? That's yeah. Just- yeah, it, it is. With that much exposure, how, how could he expect people not to vet this? And, and they did eventually. And apparently the, the producers of This American Life did at some point find a few uh, little uh, incongruities in, his, in what he was saying. But uh, I guess he, he talked, fast talked his way through it and they, uh, they pushed the, the show ahead. And it was a great episode. Had it all been real? You know, he was making this up. Have uh, any of you guys ever seen the TV show The Wire that was on HBO? The Wire on HBO, negative, no. Well, in the last season of that show, they had a reporter on there where uh, the cops had a, a serial killer, and the reporter started making um, stuff up that he was getting calls from the serial killer. It kind of reminds me of this situation. <laughs> and Comanza, you kind of sound like a serial killer there with your Skype. Uh, I don't know if, Sir Jimmy, is that how he's coming out on your end? Yeah, I, I don't know if everybody knows, but Comanza's actually, actually on... Uh, on tour at the South Pole. Yeah, that's right. And and he's calling in on a 60K, uh, uh, 64K BPS original iPhone. So I think the technology is, is it's performing splendidly. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing that we can all talk at all. <laughs> that's pretty amazing. Uh, we also have the, the Encyclopedia Britannica and uh, going all digital. And originally, I posted the story on the site I, uh, as I was getting information that uh, they were going out of business. But apparently, they've been online for like 20 years already anyways. So yeah, Br- They have been. As Br- a matter of fact, uh, freehollowbooks.com just got finished with an incredible 10-volume set of Ooh. encyclopedias. This is uh, – I'm sure Encyclopedia Britannica, you know, they say they've been out 200-plus years. But this is a, a actual set of – uh, encyclopedias that came from my neighbor's uncle's farm that was being demolished. And we went through the house and I pulled out these books. They're not the book of knowledge, but they're they're actual like leather bound um, books that were like. And I keep saying like like um uh, like uh, oh my god <laughs> like like oh my god like like I'm a girl from the valley in California, but. Um, it's a 10-book set of encyclopedias that are probably from the 1920s or 30s that they were going to throw away. So I decided what better use than to hollow them all out and make them into one giant hollow book case. You can reach your arm in down to it to the elbow. So evil book guy, uh, so if you're done hollowing out, what is it? Is this like a, a gun case for an AK-47? Uh, you could probably put like a, an AK in it. You could probably put uh, you know, a sawed-off shotgun inside of it, but – it's ten books hollowed all the way out, and it's probably like sixteen inches deep. Well, send us a picture, and then we got some show art. I'm going to tweet it right now. There you go, at Free Hollow Books on on Twitter. And by the way, uh, Cassandra, uh, Cassandra, <laughs> how do you pronounce your How do you pronounce your uh, Twitter handle? Uh, just Cassandra Nice. That's my name. There you go. And it's simple. And Kamanzi. Yes. Your your Twitter handle. Uh, it's at Kamanzi C. Beauty. And I'm Paul the Book Guy. So, folks, you join the conversation. We're, we're talking uh, books all week long, not just on Sundays. 
Um, yeah, but I, I started looking into this this uh, Encyclopedia Britannica thing. Yeah, so they're they're online. They have a a free service, but uh, it's it's freemium. So if you want access to all of the Britannica, you have to pay. I believe it is a seventy nine dollar a year. Um, I have it here sixty nine ninety nine per year to access all of the Britannica. And then I really started doing a little bit, digging a little bit deeper into the research on this. And apparently, uh, the there are four million um, articles on Wikipedia, as compared to Britannica's sixty-five thousand articles. Now I know it's kind of a running joke. We always talk about how um, you know uh, Wikipedia has all these errors on, and people vandalize it, but. I do, I do have to say they, they've built a system where if you vandalize a Wikipedia page, uh, your your Wikipedia account is now gone. So your your editing account is is taken away from you, and it's usually fixed within hours, if not minutes. You know you you can't just go in van- and uh, there was a research firm actually it was Nature, not a research firm, uh, the magazine Nature Nature dot com. They they did a uh, a spot check of both Wikipedia and Britannica looking for errors. So they, uh, it doesn't say how many articles that they, they looked into, but all told Wikipedia out of the, whatever the number is that they inspected had 162 problems as far as uh, misunderstandings or outright errors. And Britannica had 123 and uh, the average was 2.92 mistakes per article for Britannica and 3.86 for Wikipedia. So yeah, a little bit more, let's say a little bit more erroneous information, but I mean, just the vast difference in size from 4 million to 65,000. And I'm going to put a link uh, on the podcast show notes to, uh, there's an article on Wikipedia. It's, it's, it's live updated and it's a comparison. It's a visual comparison of a, um, a gentleman standing beside some bookshelves and the amount of Encyclopedia Britannica sets it would take to equal Wikipedia. And we're looking, it's, it's a library. <laughs> the guy is standing beside a library. I'll tell you what, I'll, you send me one encyclopedia, one, just send me the A, and I'll hollow it out so you can put your iPad inside, and that's all you need to keep. <laughs> that's right. They have, they have good access to good old Wikipedia right in there. That's a good point. The, See, here's the thing about Wikipedia, though, and I'm an English teacher in addition to everything else I do. And um, I know that Wikipedia is reliable um, to a much greater extent than it was when it first came out. And I know that it has all this additional information. But, you know, I, I don't remember my sources and all of this, but they were very scholarly at the time. Wikipedia, a large portion of it is not reliable information or um, information that would be important, I guess you could say. Um, a, a huge chunk of it is written in Klingon. Right. But see, there you go. But if you were looking for information on Klingon, you're probably going to find it in Wikipedia and you're not okay. going to find it in the Britannica. Well, that is true. <laughs> you're you looking know, uh, 300,000. It's an acceptable source in my world. So. <laughs> Gotcha. But I mean, as the 2010 edition is the final print and you're looking at them trying to charge $70 for uh, a service that has one 1,640th of what their competition has. And And uh, they're already out of date. And they're already out of date. Right. And and, uh, you're looking at three, uh, there's 4,000 
uh, experts contributing to Britannica. And that's when they were doing the print edition. So I'm not sure if that number has gone down now that they're going all digital. And Wikipedia has a number of uh, contributors, 300,000. So, yeah, you're right. There, there's a lot of uh, uh, information in the Wikipedia that never would have made it into the Britannica. But then again, maybe if you did want some information on how to grow Bujalukia peppers in your backyard, you'll find that article on good old Wikipedia. No, I use Wikipedia all the time, just not for anything that I have to, like, you know, have site sources on or anything. Oh, don't get me wrong. If I was disarming a bomb, I'd reach for the Encyclopedia Britannica. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I'd probably go to some homegrown bomb maker's website first. Um, Yeah, that one. Just Google the anarchist's cookbook. Oh, there you go. Back in the 80s. (laughs) The good old Clorox Drano bombs. Exactly. (laughs) Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) Things alleged. Remember, folks, do not try this at home. We're trained experts. Yeah, we have the allegedly tag on every podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So I I don't know. I mean, looking forward, I mean, uh, these are people who are passionate about their interests that go to Wikipedia and and give their knowledge for free and defend their articles as well. I mean, if you go to, for example, if you were to go to No Agenda's article on Wikipedia and uh, put in some uh, erroneous information about uh, John C. Dvorak on it, there's probably a hundred contributors to that article that would immediately get that email alert and immediately defend the article. And, you know, there'd be a hundred people, you know, pinging Wikipedia saying vandalism and it'd be off in five minutes. So yeah, there's that brief period where you can vandalize thing, but you can vandalize Britannica too. Sir Jimmy did it. He he carved them up and he glued them together and made a gun case out of them. That's true. I actually had a friend, uh, who who used to have a podcast that that sort of one of the people that got me into the idea that podcasting was something that anyone could do, and uh, I posted uh, something about me making hollow books, and, and he put up a, post, uh, a little post that said, "Don't most authors put out books that are hollow?" <laughs> you know, he's speaking of the content, but hey, so am I. That's right. <laughs> Oh, other news. I don't know if you guys uh, – I think we've beaten the uh, the Wikipedia to death here. <laughs> but I think the Wikipedia does – You know, uh, I think the quality on Wikipedia has gotten a lot better over it's time. Definitely improved. Uh, I know early Wikipedia, it was a good laugh sometimes to go to – You know, people would go to certain articles and you know, vandalize and there's been a lot of famous incidents about it. People dying before they've died, that kind of thing. But – I think they're doing a good thing, and uh, I don't know if Britannica can survive uh, against, you know, having 300,000 volunteers working on a product and donating their money to keep it alive versus Encyclopedia Britannica having to pay 4,000 contributors. I don't know. Britannica's con- definitely going to have to change their model if they want to, to stay alive. They're going to have to change like the type of information that's included and how it gets included. And they're probably going to have to in- invite some volunteer work of their own. Oh, absolutely. They should be poaching the, the Wikipedia uh, <laughs> contributors. If they, don't, if they don't make a change now, they're going to end up like Kodak. Right. I think uh, as a CEO or whoever's in charge at Britannica, you you just bring a laptop into the boardroom, fire up Wikipedia on it, point at it and say, okay, go. (laughs) Go now. (laughs) We have the brand. We should have done this. When Wikipedia was doing it, we should have been doing it. Now we have to catch up and quick or, yeah, you're going to be Kodak. Yeah, I think if you you take a long enough timeline that Britannica is dead – 
and there's nothing that they're going to be able to do to bring themselves back. But the brand still has enough recognition right now to where, you know, there's a lot of people who are, you know, older that are getting computers or getting online that that's, uh, the brand is trusted. They need to milk the brand. This is us yes, right now. Absolutely. Just you like, know, this is the mer- This is not the emergency broadcast system. This is the book guys. We're saying, hey, milk the brand. Get some money while you can because you know you're dying. But there's still some money to be made. Get in there. Yeah. Do it now. Oh, speaking of brands, my friend. Uh, remember last week, spectaclism. We invented a word. Dot com. The spectacular cataclysm that was uh, Pottermore, or that is Pottermore, or will be Pottermore. <laughs> Yeah, I think I actually uh, I, I chimed in and said it wasn't available, but I misspelled it. <laughs> well, there was someone on the on the other line also uh, grabbing it while you guys were all talking. S p e c t a c l y s m dot com now pointing to Pottermore dot com. <laughs> Fantastic. Good times. It's what we do here. <laughs> <laughs> and we got some. Any excuse to play that jingle on this show? Uh, I of love course, it. bring it in. <laughs> we had the the iPad came out last week, and uh, it's now in people's hands. And uh, looking like, as far as glowing rectangle readers, this is it. I mean, if you can afford it, this is the one you want to read on. Uh, if, uh, you know, uh, e-ink much superior for extended periods of reading, but the screen on this thing is quite literally. Uh, better than the uh, the print quality that you'll get in an art book never mind a paperback or a hardcover you will not be able to tell uh pixels on on the page and they just uh, stop you from being able to zoom in that far they change that with ios 5.1.1.2 <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah they'll just block it <laughs> but yeah a lot of people run, rushing out to get this and uh i don't know I, uh, do you watch movies on on your ipad I used to when we had Netflix, but you're really not any longer. And and when it comes down to YouTube, you're not really missing much. Right. You know, the you can see the cat smiling. You know, that's enough. Yeah. And in case anybody's wondering, uh, Kamanzi's not being quiet. He's just uh, he's dropped. His Skype finally died. I'm, I am trying to get him back. Oh, hey, he might be popping <laughs> back in again. Let's just cross our fingers. He just might. But I, I know. I, I, I again. Yeah. I've I've done the Netflix thing. But once you've watched all 30 movies on Netflix, you like. I don't know what the selection is like in the United States, but here in Canada, you know, once you've watched those 30 movies, I canceled my account. That was it. You know, the only time I'm going to renew my Netflix account is when uh, Arrested Development, uh, <laughs> the new season is on there. Yeah, they definitely, they, they lost their opportunity to hold on to people. And, and when people started fleeing and they started realizing, yeah, there was a bunch of stuff I wanted to listen or to watch that wasn't there. You know, they they lost their opportunity to, to keep people, and it just gave you know our family the opportunity to say, "Hey, let's just cancel it. Let's take that seven bucks a month, pay for the garbage." Yeah, exactly. But there's a lot of variety on Netflix, though, Paul. Like all kinds of weird shows that I would never even thought about. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe in the United States, but here in Canada, uh, our our selection is is a lot more limited. They have they've really been ignoring us. We're like the you know the the weird brother. <laughs> you know, Netflix may have something I don't know about, but if they do, somebody needs to remind me or let me know. Do they have a Twitter account saying, hey, look, this is what we just posted. Here's what you can go watch and, and get people excited about it because I don't really see a vehicle that they have that is letting people know, hey, you know, we just 
That's a good you point. You can watch every Dukes of Hazard right now for like <laughs> the next four weeks. I'd be like, I'm getting back on it. But uh, <laughs> as far as an e-reader, my, my, my iPad, uh, I do use it a lot. I use the Kindle app. I use the Kobo app. I use the, the iBooks app. Uh, I use the, the Comixology app a lot. But you can't, I can't read for an extended period of time on it. I mean, after an hour, my eyeballs are falling out of my head. Uh, what, kind of, what kind of e-readers do you guys use, if anything? Oh, I have a Nook tablet. And that's an e-ink screen. Yes, it is. Um, see, I'm I'm kind of new to the whole world of the Apple product. I have my first iPhone. Um, it's a few months old, 3GS. Um, All right, we're taking bets now how long before she has a MacBook and uh, an iPad. Oh, I want them. <laughs> I just find them cost prohibitive at the moment. That's how it starts. You get the iPod or the iPhone, and then you're like, well, you know... Well, the phone was free or I wouldn't have it. Um, no, I have a Nook tablet. I had Nook Color last year and I lost it. And so for Christmas, um, my uh, mother-in-law, more or less, except without the law part, um, gave me a tablet. And I love it. Um, I wish it were a little bigger and that it had Bluetooth capability so I could have a keyboard. But other than that, I absolutely love it. And I can read it all day long. Yeah, that's what you know. Again, it's one thing I do with my iPad that the, this new one would would really help. I do a lot of writing on it. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, what I I have a Bluetooth keyboard that I had for the longest time, and I hook it up, and I no matter where I am, I've got you know my little uh, writing station, and uh, yeah, writing in pages on this screen, it does hurt the eyes. The the the, the letters are pixelated, and you know it's like. You know, it's like when a new Apple product comes out. Now you look at your old Apple product and go, oh, man, the 27 came out and I only got the version 26. You know, it's all, you know, well, it's all details. But uh, this is a huge jump in screen quality. And if you're writing or uh, even for artists drawing on it, but especially for the reading, uh, if you're reading on a glowing screen, it's definitely going to make a big difference for you. Paul, I use my iPhone, even though it's a little bit smaller. And then I also have the Kindle. Yeah, that's a great point you just made because you know I I will even though I'll have my iPad in in my uh, in my briefcase or knapsack or whatever I'm carrying, um, I will I would prefer to launch the app on my phone, the iPhone four, and read it on the Retina screen because it, it doesn't hurt the eyes. But I mean, mind you, you get like forty le- uh, words on each screen, so you know when it updates at the bottom, it says you are on page five hundred of twenty eight thousand. Yeah, because right? it's a lot of flipping. It's, it's, it's convenient if you're in the doctor's office or whatever. You just pull out your phone and boom. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I always carry my iPhone around. I always got to launch my Audible app and listen to you know twenty minutes of an audiobook while everyone else in line is trying to kill each other and all upset. I'm just listening to Scott Brick read me a story. Yeah, I got to say, with the iPad versus the iPhone, if you pull out the iPhone, you look like you know you're just a regular schmo. You pull out the iPad. You kind of got the D-bag factor going on. <laughs> a little bit. A little a bit. Little bit. I, I think that's, yeah. that's going to change you. Know? you. I know exactly what you're saying. You get that D-bag factor, even pulling it out on the subway on the way to work or whatever. But uh, it's changing now because, you know, the D-bag factor is going down now, especially since now you, you walk onto a subway train and there's 28 iPads already out. <laughs> so <laughs> you're less of a douchebag now when you, when you pull it out in public. Sure. Whoa. Hey. Hey. Whoa. <laughs> but but uh, now, now you're getting back to Coney 2012. Um, what I'm saying is that, you know, six months ago, a year ago, you pull out the iPad and you felt like a D-bag. And 
and now it's getting to the point where it almost seems like you're not worried about somebody smashing you over the head and taking it, but still right. the D, the <laughs> D bag factor has got to where that is like the biggest, you know, biggest point to consider when you pull it out. You're like looking around, do I want to pull this out in front of this guy? I feel bad if I'm at a stoplight and I think, boy, I want to I want to pop this thing up and check my email, but there's a guy here with a piece of cardboard saying that he's homeless. I'm like, gosh, I don't want him to see my iPad. He's going to think I'm a real tool. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. And you know, speaking of pulling it out in public, before we, uh, we're almost halfway, but I do have something we're going to pull out today in public. <laughs> and uh, that is our upcoming new spinoff show, our, dun, 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 dun. our sister show, perhaps. Uh, Maybe. <laughs> uh, Sir Jeff Smith, just uh, breaking news here. He just uh, got it. We got in our new theme song and we're going to play it here first for you folks. But that's going to be after the break. That's going to be after the break. Yeah, make them listen to the commercial messages. That's right. We'll be right back after these messages. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Hi. Now that I've got your attention, I'd like to tell you about a great little podcast. Well, okay. It's called Seventh Row Center, and it's hosted by me, Alex the Movie Guy. I work for Kaiser Soze. Anyway, every week I get together with Weekly Animated's David Hickson. These men are the leaders of a terrorist organization wanted for the abduction of a little monkey. Well, no. We're movie opinionists who give our thoughts about films new and old. Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! Check out our show. It's called Seventh Row Center, and it's part of the Bear Crawling Nation. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Coming soon. What is it? I waited in line all night for this. It was well worth it. It was so good, I bootlegged it on my phone. State-of-the-art special effects. I can't believe those were special effects. It it just looked so real. Wearing the 3D glasses was totally worth it. Presented in Dolby 33.1 stereo. First room sounds from left. I, I even looked from my left. It was insane. The bass had me shaking in my seat. What is it? It's a book. That's right, it's the Buckeyes Show, Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on NAGradio.com. Hey, this is Jeff Smith, the guy who does all the jingles from thejeffsmith.com, and you're listening to Paul the Book Guy. Uh, we are back, and uh, Cassandra, I believe you're going to be joining us uh, perhaps on this new podcast endeavor. That is the plan, yes. That is I'm the plan. about it. All right, and uh, here's our new theme song. Waiting for you And all those book reviews you do Books, audiobooks And audio dramas And podcasts too Sir Jeff Smith, thank you very much Hey, Paul, you better get her name right before you get on that endeavor with her. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> He'll get it. He'll get it. I have confidence. Uh, we'll get it, Cassandra. 
So <laughs> Paul and I tonight, to kick off the book girls, we're both wearing blue tidy panties with white stars on them. <laughs> and we both have uh, we have gold bracelets on them that are bulletproof. I don't know what you're talking about. That that theme song sounds legally nothing like the Wonder Woman theme song. <laughs> you guys should wear that. You should wear that and get on the subway and pull out your iPad. Yeah, that, that would be hilarious. That'll really Invisible. increase the, the D bag factor. Yeah. I'm glad you guys are wearing that costume because I'm not going to pull that off. I'm even going to work. I'm even well, try. We figured we had the the '60s theme to the the book guys. We had to move up to the '70s for uh, for book girls. I'm glad I hadn't even heard that up until now because that was just that was like that's gold, Jerry. Gold. <laughs> it's gold, Jerry. It's gold. <laughs> ah, good times. I, I actually uh, we have some other news. Um, let's, Cassandra. You have. I said it right, did I? There it is, you Cassandra. Did. You're getting there. You're getting yes. there. Very nice. Yes. So, Cassandra, you've got some news on our March Madness. Oh yeah, we definitely have a. Um, some interesting things happening with the morning news tournament of books. I mentioned this last week um, and some interesting things have happened. We're almost through the opening round. We've had some surprises, some upsets, just like the real basketball (laughs) version of this that's going on right now. Um, Especially yesterday, apparently was a day of upsets or Friday, one of those two days. Um, if you go to themorningnews.org slash TOB, you can kind of get the um, the overview of what's going on. Take a look at the bracket, and, and it has um, and links to meet all the judges. But I'm just going to run through where it stands right now because it's very interesting, especially if you, if you read a lot of the new releases from last year, this past year. So um, last week I mentioned the first matchup, which was between The Sense of an Ending and Devil All the Time. And The Sense of an Ending by Julian Barnes came out on top there. Um, Not a big surprise because it was the pretty book and The Devil All the Time was the rough and kind of scary book. Um, I prefer rough and scary. Beautiful is just not enough substance for me. Um, Round two was Lightning Rods versus Salvage the Bones, which was the National Book Award winner last year. And surprisingly, Lightning Rods won that round. Um, has anyone read that book? I have. I'd, I'd never even heard of it before the tournament. I have not. Hmm. No. Okay. I'm still trying to find a real person who's actually read it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> next round had 1Q84 by Murakami versus The Last Brother by Natasha Apana. And um, this is one of those rounds where I, I feel like they picked the book that they thought should win just on principle like 1Q84, because um, The Last Brother, I guess, was overly simplistic or something. The judge, Misha Angris, said that it succeeds where 1Q84 fails, yet she still chose 1Q84 as the winner. Uh, how, how many judges are, are involved in, the, in the, uh, the picking of who goes forward? Okay, so 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13... 16, it looks like, 16 okay. or 17. And then they also have, um, for the final round, they have um, all the judges kind of contribute to that final victory. Um, so a couple of other ones. We've got The Stranger's Child versus The Tiger's Wife, judged by Beth Ann um, Patrick, the book maven. And uh, she picked The Tiger's Wife. 
Um, we had State of Wonder versus the Sisters Brothers. Have, have any of you read that book? Uh, it's on my list. I know uh, Chris, the book guy, Jager, really, really highly recommended that one to us. And uh, it is definitely, it's, uh, it's near the top of Book Mountain at this point. <laughs> it's a great book to read. It didn't really stick with me after I read it, but I loved every page. Okay. So it was a weird kind of experience there. Um, the cool thing about that round is it was judged by Will Wheaton, you know, the geek god. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, I That's what he's doing. Wheaton. I thought he was doing something on the internet. I just didn't think it was judging books. He does everything on the internet. Okay. He owns the internet. Him and Neil Gaiman. <laughs> yes. Neil Gaiman indeed. Yes. Right. They own the internet. Um, that round, like I said, was State of Wonder versus the sister, Sisters Brothers, and everybody called it. Everybody said that Wheaton, no matter how good State of Wonder was, that he would not pick it to win, and he didn't. Wow. Um, so the Sisters Brothers goes on to the next round. Um, then the next round was Swamplandia versus the Cat's Table on Donchi. So in this one, what you have is um, a well-established writer who has the street cred already you know, out there. Everybody loves on Donchi's work. I've never read any of it. I don't know how I've missed it, but I haven't read any of it. Versus Swamplandia, which is the new writer who has just hit the scene. And um, in this one, I really admire the judge because instead of picking the obvious choice, she went with the underdog and said that Andanchi has done just fine for himself. He will scrape by without one victory. Oh, you think maybe she's playing it on Vegas? I have no idea. <laughs> I know that there are some people doing some serious like commenting on this and odds. Like I said, the editor on Book Riot is obsessed with this. And it was really funny because um, they have people who comment on the judges' decisions on every post. And the commenters even pointed out with one of these wins that it was going to upset um, my editor, uh, J- Jeff O'Neill's bracket. It was going to throw everything off in the way he had carefully evaluated it. Um, and then the final round that they've judged so far, they've got one more round in, in this first round of uh, one more match in this first round was the marriage plot versus a book called Green Girl. Anyone familiar with that one? That was a new one for me too. Green Girl. No. No. Um, Green Girl is apparently by Kate Zambrano. And um, I have no idea. Um, It has a very interesting little paragraph here. It says, Speaking of drags, the main character in the slim, delicate novel, Ruth, a self-absorbed, moony, 20-something expat living in a dorm-style women's apartment building. And it kind of just goes on from there. Um, It doesn't sound like my cup of tea at all. But surprisingly enough, um, Green Girl, I thought took that. Let me double check here. Oh, no, the marriage plot one. It's another one of those where they spoke very highly of the other book, though. Right. Okay. Um, so that's kind of where it stands. And it's really interesting when you dive into the common, you know, the comments and why the judges picked what they did. Um, some of them are very nice and try to compliment both books nice, you know, and evenly. And then other judges like Wheaton, just, they let their opinions be known. And it's quite amusing. I mean, I mean, we will try to get Will Wheaton on and talk about this. He may very well do that. Um, He'll definitely be involved in the final round of judging. Um, It goes on from here to the quarterfinals, then to the semifinals, and then there's what they call a zombie round. You know, I likes me a good zombie round. (laughs) Um, And that's based a lot on readers' votes. So that means a book that's gotten put out so far can come back. 
Oh, nice. Um, you know, I've, I've been reading a lot of the uh, stuff that you guys are doing at, uh, over at bookriot.com. Uh, and uh, yeah, definitely, uh, just like the tagline says, always books, never boring. Certainly oh, yeah. Quite a variety <laughs> of uh, articles and, and just styles of writing and interesting. If, you, if, you're really, if you're into books, folks, and you probably are since you're listening, uh, bookriot.com. Lots of good stuff there. So much. We have fun. We have a lot of fun, even if not everyone appreciates the fun all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, our, our website, bookguys.ca and bookgirls.ca, uh, is going undergoing some renovation, making room for the girls. And uh, I'm actually building the second site uh, on a different server, and we're going to be pulling that switch probably about the same time uh, as the Book Girls podcast. Uh, as soon as you ladies, uh, we've got it all worked out, uh, we're going to flip it so that uh, both podcasts can share the same site oh fantastic and actually if you go to bookgirls.ca it does go to our site now our, our old crappy site so it's just like when the iPad comes out you know now now our site is the crappy one there's <laughs> doing new ones coming out uh, let's see uh, got some books on film and books on film and television uh, Great Gatsby's coming <laughs> Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Do, do we need a Great Gatsby movie this Christmas? I don't know. We got Leo Di, Leo DiCaprio and, and Toby Maguire. Maybe if I was a lady, I'd, I'd want to see uh, Leo DiCaprio and Toby Maguire running around. I don't know. I'm kind of over them. Yeah. A <laughs> little bit. A little bit. Well, that's uh, the Great Gatsby. That's all, that's all we know. It's coming. <laughs> and it's the Great Gatsby. What else, what else do you need to know? F. Scott Fitzgerald. Good stuff. Yeah, I just had uh, Nobot just came up here and nudged me. He just got back from watching John Carter, which uh, apparently is a better movie if you're 11 than if you're <laughs> our age. Aren't but, a lot uh, of movies like that? He he saw a preview for The Hunger Games, and he goes, we're going to the midnight showing. You're coming, aren't you? Yeah, can Paul hear me? Can Paul hear me? And I said, no, you're just okay. I got it on mute. <laughs> and he goes, you're coming, aren't you? I said, yeah. He goes, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just got a message from Mr. Jim the Book Guy Phillips, uh, and uh, he uh, he's apparently clearing down trees. He had a big storm, so uh, and I believe he's hey. in San Diego. It's hard to yeah, keep Sir track. Jimmy, of when it, Sir Jimmy, when it comes to the Hunger Games, you know, I just read the first book just from hearing you guys talk about it. Do you worry that in the movie, like, because there's parts in the arena and whatnot, and when they're prepping them for all those different things that they're you know, do you, is this movie going to be PG thirteen? Does anybody know? Well, it doesn't matter because parental guidance is suggested. It's going to be there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you think all those parts where they're you know getting them ready for to go in front of the cameras and they're in the arena and all that, you think they're going to show all that? Well, I'm sure that they're probably going to take you know they're going to take it just about as far as they can and maybe a little bit over bounds, but you know if it's underrated or you know, I, I'm fine with it. We're we're all excited about it. We he's already read the books. I mean, how, your mind can certainly come up with something gorier than they're ever going to show on celluloid. So, right, yeah, that's true. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm I think, excited. I, I think that's we discussed you uh, you sneaking him in if it was restricted. <laughs> yeah, if it's restricted, uh, we're going to have to put him in a knapsack. But he's prepared. Put him in a hollow book and just drag him in there. Uh, oh the no. Book. <laughs> Oh, the book was pretty awesome. I do got to admit that. Very so so you're, you're on the second one now, Kamanzi? I'm on the second one now, yeah. I, I 
got done with the first one, and I was like, wow, I immediately had to get the second one. Yeah, I, I burned through the uh, all three of them on Audible pretty quickly. Uh, I, I thought I was taking one for the team, reading it, and then I uh, went through the whole series. <laughs> No, it's very, it's very good writing. It's very, I don't know. I think it's pretty original, and just I, I write nonfiction, so to see a fiction writer put together an original story like that and bring it all together, it's just, it's pretty amazing. And I have, I actually did some reading this week. Uh, well, I do reading every week, folks, but just sometimes I don't have books that I want to talk about. I just put them on the shelf and pretend they don't exist. <laughs> we read bad books, so you don't have to. Uh, but uh, this is a good book, and I'm going to play two jingles. Just to, I don't want to offend anyone, so it's fiction, 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 nonfiction. <laughs> I don't want to offend our uh, any of our Catholic or Christian uh, listeners because uh, part of the book is nonfiction, part of it is fiction. Uh, this is a book that comes out in April. It is. Unholy Night by Seth Graham Smith. Now, um, I reviewed uh, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, one of America's beloved presidents uh, telling his story as if he were a you know, kick-ass vampire slayer. And uh, right away, when you hear something like that, right, you're thinking, ah, is this one of these novelty books where people just slap two things that normally don't go together and, and you know, write a you know, dime store pulp novel that is forgettable. And yeah, that's usually what happens when someone slaps two things together like that. But, uh, this guy can write Seth Graham Smith. He can write, he knows how to tell a story. Um, so this book, uh, you can't see it, but, uh, on the cover, you've got three men in uh, dark cloaks and holding daggers and hovering above an image of, uh, the nativity scene and the star of David, uh, or the star of the nativity. What's the star called again? You know, the star, star of David. I had it right. So the book centers around uh, Balthazar. So he is one of the wise men. And uh, in this version of this story, he is uh, from Antioch. He is uh, known as the ghost of Antioch. He is the greatest thief who has ever lived. And he, um, he is arrested by King Herod, the, uh, the evil king at the time. And, uh, He's uh, thrown in the dungeon and he's waiting to basically to be killed. He's waiting for his execution and he meets uh, two other guys in the dungeon. One of them uh, famous for being the best swordsman in all the land and a thief. And the other one famous for being the friend of the famous swordsman. So that's when these three wise men get together. So Balthazar, uh, when asked what their final requests would be and their, you know, food or something, he, he asks for three priests so the other two are like, why would we want food or something or a drink? We don't want, he's, he's like, be quiet. We're going to get three priests. So he works it out so that they uh, basically tie up the priests and take their, you know, cloaks and they escape. So he escapes. Herod uh, chase, starts to chase the, the three wise men or the three thieves as they are in this story. And uh, as they're being chased by all these soldiers that Herod sends out, they meet up with a 15-year-old girl named Mary and her husband, Joseph. Uh, sound familiar, anybody? <laughs> uh, who have just given birth to a child that they claim is the son of God. And uh, it, 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 right away, you're, you're thinking, man, you know, this sounds like he's going to... There has to be blasphemy somewhere in this book. There ha- you have to offend Christians somehow. 
But he doesn't. I mean, I'm saying he's a good writer. He manages to turn the story of the birth of Jesus Christ into a action adventure and <laughs> without really stepping on too many toes. Um, so, so Balthazar, when he meets them, uh, he, first of all, he doesn't believe them. You know, here's this 15 year old girl and her husband. And the husband tells him that, well, his wife has never had sex with anyone or with him, but she's have had this baby. So, you know, this guy's like, yeah, right. Okay, sure. Uh, he doesn't believe it. And even, even Joseph has his doubts, uh, but his faith is rewarded when throughout the story, one of the, the not, well, I won't say characters. See, this is why I had to play both jingles. Throughout the story, as it is written in, in the original work, the, the, you know, the source work, which is, of course, the, the holy book, the Bible, uh, God is indeed protecting them. And it eventually becomes apparent to Joseph that uh, God is helping protect this child. And, uh, you know, it just turns into a, a total action adventure where uh, they go through uh, trying to survive this onslaught of soldiers uh, trying not only to capture this child, but uh, also to capture the, the wise men who in this case are thieves, of course. And really surprising, again, Seth Graham Smith. Uh, have any of you guys ever read any of his stuff, The Vampire Hunter or anything else? Pride, Prejudice, Zombies? No. Oh, no. He's the guy who does those things. No, yes. I haven't read anything yet. <laughs> you know, and I, and I avoided it too because, like I said, I thought, yeah, he's slapping. Oh, he's making Abraham Lincoln a vampire hunter. Oh, well, another novelty book. But he can write. I mean... The, the first chapter starts off from the point of view of a bunch of, uh, of Ibexes, <laughs> like, like a buffalo, you know, in the desert. And it's just really well written from, from start to end. Uh, again, it doesn't blaspheme. It works within the story of uh, the, the original story in the Bible and makes it a lot of fun, makes it vibrant. Um, you really get down on – you're on street level watching as these things are happening uh, through the eyes of uh, Balthazar and uh, almost, you know, I know it would never happen, but just like I said for uh, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, you could almost put it in Sunday school and make learning about this story fun. You know, just like learning about Abraham Lincoln by adding vampires and making him a vampire hunter was a fun way to learn about Abraham Lincoln. This is a fun way, uh, not, not, not as your first read, of course, of this very important story, uh, especially if you're Catholic, but as as an add-on read, uh, very interesting. Seth Graham Smith does it again. Uh, there's a reason he's a New York Times bestselling author, uh, and, and it's uh, he's got the chops. He's got the writing chops. And uh, this book comes out April 10th. It's been optioned for $2 million by Warner Brothers to be a movie, and they're already in the uh, pre-production stages. If you can take a story that uh, that just has – a few inklings of truth in it that you really want people to 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 capture, and you can surround that with a story that's entertaining. I think that's that's come to the point that's that's the most you can hope for these days. Right, and, and yeah, exactly. And, and and he doesn't change any of the the truth that's in 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 the you know in the New Testament. What he does is adds on to it in a way that respects the original tale. We'll call it tale because story sounds fictional and I'm going to get letters. I'm going to get emails. <laughs> My email is all over Twitter. People know how to email me. Believe me. But he, he doesn't – like he, he gives the – first of all, he gives the three wise men names. He gives them occupations. I mean we see them as kings in uh, 
you know, in in different uh, things, but they're, they're never named as as kings. I mean, they're there are men who arrived and saw, and you know, he doesn't change anything that was originally there. So he doesn't do any editing of the Bible. He just adds on to the story, wraps it around it. Uh, another one, books to film and television make a great movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, as soon as you t- say somebody is a king, uh, all of a sudden, whatever they say becomes gospel, and <laughs> it's it's shut up, slave. And here's what's the truth. But you give somebody. A personality and an occupation and something, they suddenly become real to you and you become open to their point of view. Right. And, so. and I think a lot of a lot of this thing, like like thinking of the three kings as kings, uh, has a lot to do with Hollywood. For, for the same reason we think a lot of children and, and grown-ups think that, uh, and while we're talking Catholics and, and Christians who believe that when they die, they're going to become angels. When at no point in any scripture that I've read, uh, does it say that you can become an angel? In fact, an angel is a completely different being uh, from human, and there's no tale in any of the Christian uh, holy books where a human being could become an angel. And that certainly is not what happens when you die. I mean, when you die, according to Christian texts, this is something that Hollywood has, you know, some guy wrote it in a movie sometime. He probably wasn't a Christian. He just thought that's how it worked, put it in a movie, it was in another movie, another movie, another movie. And now every time a cartoon guy dies, out sprouts the wings and, you know, he's playing a harp. You know, when angels of, of the, the tale of, 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 you know, the, the greatest tale ever told, as they call it, uh, were warriors. <laughs> they weren't coming to play harps. They're going to hit you over the head with the harp. That makes for good writing. <laughs> so I'm not sure uh, if, if the three kings were even mentioned as kings in any of the original t- tales, but uh, they are certainly thieves in this one. <laughs> no, and I think if you look at history, they were actually they were from they were magi, which was um, like an order of priests. Yeah, the magi are from the Old Testament. They they, yeah. they had magical powers, and uh, it's actually the one of the characters in this book is the last magi on Earth, uh, who's who's a remnant from the Old Testament, and he's the one who uh, the character in history who told uh, Caesar, "Beware the Ides of March." Yep. So. Um, yeah, and he ties that in as well. <laughs> Thanks for uh, reminding me. But uh, yeah, the the magi uh, of the Old Testament, you know, there was a lot more uh, mystical, magical powers floating about uh, in the Old Testament than the New. The New was, uh, you know, a little bit uh, subdued. Not so many people uh, going around uh, performing, you know, these magical things. But uh, great book, enjoyed it. Comes out April tenth. I'm gonna put, I'm gonna write up uh, eventually a whole uh, review and put it on the site. We'll be there soon. Unholy night. Seth Graham Smith, pick it up. You won't. Uh, uh, you won't be disappointed. Sounds like you got some put up talk in these books early. <laughs> Kapla, sorry. <laughs> You're breaking up. Yeah, breaking up, Captain. I cannot hear you. No, I said it sounds like you got some hookups uh, being able to get uh, a few of these books early like that. Oh yeah, we get we go oh, we get way too many books, my friend. Uh, I, I wish uh, I had somewhere to put them. Yeah. I, I may be able to move out of this house soon and build a house from books to live <laughs> in. <laughs> I can live in actual Book Mountain. So and, long, Book Mountain. Hello, Book Town Home. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kamanzi, we'll get you some hookups too, my friend. Yay. <laughs> no, you get to a certain point where you get way too many books once they find out you're a reviewer. So yeah, and, and you know what? I'm going to say I put it out there right now. Uh, there's a lot of people sending books just out of the blue, uh, or, or emailing, wanting to send books, and it's 
I feel bad, but I've got like 40 books here to go through. And, and uh, as far as the paper books, you know, if you, if you were sending me a MP3s on CD or email me a, an audio book, yeah, I'll get to it tomorrow. <laughs> but it's just finding the time to sit and read, you know, sometimes just, it's tough. Very difficult. So, Paul, if you like, if you were an aspiring, aspiring author like me, would you suggest to put uh, make your book as an audio book? Do you think you'd get a lot more traction that way? I, you know what? Uh, maybe it's, I'm, I'm a different use case scenario, as they would say, uh, just because I have a lot more time to listen to audio than I do to sit and read. You know, with a glass of rye beside me, mm-hmm. um, like I, I can go through three or four books in a week. Uh, in audiobook format where I can only go through one or two uh, as far as paper copies in a week usually. I just don't have the yeah. time. I think if your books aren't in an, in an audiobook format, it, it really, especially at this point, limits your your distribution. Just, you know, people like Paul, like me, Paul's at work all day. He's, uh, you know, he's hammering out widgets and uh, he's got time <laughs> on his hands. And me, I'm in the car all the time. I can't have a book up, so but but I've got time to listen to something, and I'm looking for something to fill that with. I don't, I haven't listened to FM radio in seven years. I haven't, uh, I haven't put a CD in the brand new car I've had for two years. I've, I've got time to fill, and if there was something interesting that doesn't have a commercial in it, you know, bring it on, yeah. and you're going to talk to people about it. You're going to grow your audience, and there are people out there that have time that have books that have timeshares at the beach that. That want to sit down with a book and 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 look like they're reading something that don't want a little set of white earbuds sticking in their ear. So I say you got to go for it with the audio books. You have to diversify. I mean, sometimes I read a book in print and then pick up in the next chapter on audio. If it depends on how I'm working, I'll yeah. do both. Yeah, I, I've done that. Sort of flip back between uh, hardcover and and thing. You know what? Well, we got some listener feedback. Let's take a listen to what some of our our listeners are. Uh, Telling us, uh, World Weaver Press uh, on Twitter says the last episode was probably the most insightful discussion on Smashwords PayPal controversy that I've yet found so far. Well, thank you. And uh, have we talked about that yet? That uh, Smashwords uh, PayPal did reverse their decision uh, as far as becoming a censor of books and Smashwords did win out. So Smashwords has returned their terms of use and all their legalese back to the pre-PayPal uh, controversy era. So another win Ooh, for the internet. Ooh, censorship. Yay, internet. We won Most again. certainly. <laughs> that uh, reminds me, do you guys know about what's happening in Arizona in terms of the censorship there? Uh, not a clue. All right. In the lovely state of Arizona, which is not my favorite state right now. Um, they have a law prohibiting the teaching of any sort of ethnic studies in schools, which means that everything, particularly the Mexican-American literature and history books, but anything that has like a discussion of race and class um, in it and, a, and the word oppression associated with it has been forbidden. Wow. And so in uh, Tucson Unified School District has been the first district that's really kind of enforcing this or been forced to enforce it. And they just went in and pulled books off the shelves in some cases while the teachers were still teaching classes. <laughs> Book burning still alive, eh? <laughs> well, in this past week, 
Um, a guy, a lovely, lovely, I say guy. He's not some random guy. He's, um, I actually teach with him at the same college. His name's uh, Tony Diaz, and he works with a, he has an organization here in Houston called Nuestra Palabra. And he um, started a movement called the Libro Traficante movement, so like the book traffickers. Okay. And organized a caravan through Texas, New Mexico, and into Tucson where they delivered thousands upon thousands of these um, banned books. Oh, I love it. Love it. In Tucson. (laughs) That's great. I love that. Just spread them out. Spread the word. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was a really exciting kind of event that was going on. It was it was an experience. It wasn't even an event. It was larger than that. We got a little bit more feedback here. Uh, John Barnes, the uh, best-selling author of uh, Losers in Space, the upcoming Losers in Space, my friend, and uh, Directive 51 and all these other novels says, uh, he says, so this reading stuff can help me meet girls? He says, is it as good as a car and a fake ID? And indeed it is, John Barnes. And we are going to have him on the show soon. Uh, Toby Hewson on H-E-W-S-O-N on Twitter says, uh, loves website. R.R. Martin has been a big inspiration for him and uh, what I'm currently writing. Of course, keep it up. Thank you very much. And uh, no, um, no bot's going to want to hear about this. Uh, Rosalind Ormiston on Twitter says she uh, listened to the iTunes podcast on The Hunger Games which is the one, Sir Jimmy, uh, where your son filled in as a book guy. Okay. And uh, she was a really interesting discussion. There you go. Junior book guy, getting compliments. Yeah, how about, I'll, I'll run downstairs and tell him that. There you go. <laughs> and Eni, Eni underscore T-S-I-R-H-C says, I love men who read and comprehend book content. Informed men are so hot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. Yes, they are. It is true. It is true. It is true. <laughs> and you know what? Women who can uh, understand content and read, they're hot too. And that's the Book Girls Show is coming up soon. Pre-production, getting all ladies together, and uh, they're working out how they're going to do it. And that music usually means that uh, we're almost at that time, gentlemen. We got to go. And uh, bye from Paul. Bye from Kamanzi. And bye for, from Sir Jimmy. And Cassandra. Cassandra. We'll see you next week. Same book time, same book channel. Stay tuned, book readers and book listeners. Paul the Book Guy will be back next week. Same book time, same book channel. Thank you.